right. Praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness. We thank him for his mercy. As always, we are here again at God's permission, and we don't take that lightly. We are very appreciative of that, the time that God gives us. The word of God is absolutely wonderful and fantastic, uh, but for as much as it is all of that, it is also challenging because it does challenge us to uh, to take a look at ourselves and to uh, re-examine the way that we think or the way or the views that we hold and all sorts of things. And so we 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 thank the word because with and through the word, <clears throat> the Lord corrects us and we're able to overcome um, problems, issues, uh, uh, things about us, challenges, uh, whatever they may be, whatever obstacle can, can come up, the word of God allows us to, 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 to make our way through that. But then that's just, that's not just for, um, the word of God isn't just for the tough and challenging times, but it makes the good times even better and, and, and the great times even greater. There's no one like our God. Jesus is our God. And we thank God that he would take the time to come to this earth to rescue us from our sins. He did not have to do that, but because he loved us, he did. And we are extremely grateful for that. Um, let's continue in our scripture. We're picking back up um, with um, <clears throat> talking about um, dealing with this concept of, of or um, uh, back in Psalms 27, and we're, we're, we're dealing with the series that we've been on, um, which particularly takes place in verse number um, 11 and 12 of Psalms 27. Before our reading, Psalms 27, uh, starting at the beginning, says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, well, I see. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Amen. And lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. 
Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing and doing of his word. As always, we have said it before. We will continue to say this. The blessing is found in the obedience. So I want to encourage all of you who listen to the word of God, who, when you're listening to these lessons, this isn't, we don't, this, it, it, you, you've, it's about being obedient to what God is teaching you, what God is telling you, okay? What, what is God saying? What does the word say? We endeavor to make sure that when we give the word, we just let God give it. We let him give it. That way we know it's rightly divided. We don't add anything to it and we don't uh, take anything away from it. You're not going to get a whole bunch of, of opinions and all these different things. And if I do have to give you my opinion on something, then then by Lord's permission, I will I will make that plain uh, up front that this is my opinion and not the Lord. I believe that's the proper way to make our own opinion, but our opinions known. But 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 it's not my opinion that's going to save you. It's not my it's not my own will and my own interpretation. This thing has got to be interpreted according to the word of God. We have got to follow what the Lord tells us to follow. Amen. So I want to encourage you be obedient to the word of God. OK, you don't don't do it on the strength that I told you. Do it because the word tells you that's God telling you he trumps me all day long. Amen. 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 We thank the Lord for his word. All right. Now we are picking back up. This is lesson number six. Okay. This is lesson um, number six um, in the series that we um, have been working on. We've been talking about choosing a way, amen. Um, or um, the, um, and, um, and talking about the way of God. We've been talking about all of these different things and, and we've learned quite a bit in the previous uh, five lessons. Um, that um, where we've discussed this. Um, and in these lessons, we've really just kind of broken down <clears throat> Psalms 27, verse 11 and verse 12, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies for false witnesses are risen up against me and such as breathe out cruelty. Now, those are the two verses that we have been in for the uh, for these last um, several um, lessons in this series, the last five lessons in it. This is number six in that, and this should, Lord willing, be the end of this portion of it, and then we'll proceed into verse 13, um, but we want to wrap up this verse 11 and verse, verse 12. Um, verse 11, uh, in verse 11, um, the word says, teach me thy way. Um, oh Lord, and we know that David is is talking here. We've had enough discussion, and we and we know that, and we've learned about the different ways and different things um, <clears throat> that are out and that are uh, about. When we last um, um, finished our um, our discussion on in in lesson number five, we talked about so, uh, some things, and one of the things that we ended with was giving respect to God and being careful with the way that we approach God, that we, we talk about how we have these privileges and we have the right to be able to come to God. And that's a blessing. And we don't want to take that for, for granted. But having that responsibility, having the privilege to be able to come before the Lord, to bring our petitions and make our requests known to him, there is a responsibility that, we, um, that comes along with that. Amen. Okay, we have the right to ask. We we discussed that in length. 
and ex but exercising that right is not without guidelines. And we use uh, James chapter one, verses five through eight, and we looked at Luke chapter 11, verse nine. Those are the scriptures. Please familiarize yourself with that. It'll be not only will it from not only will it bring you up to speed, but it also bless you as well. Amen. We, we, we learned that though we have the right to ask, <clears throat> we cannot just ask for anything. Amen. Okay. We, we, that's just not something that we can do. Now, many times we do treat it as though we have an open invitation to ask for anything, but the reality is, is that no, we actually um, don't have the right to just ask for uh, anything. And we'll get into that a little bit further, a little bit uh, in a little bit in, a, in, in just a little while. We, 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 we can, what we can ask for cannot be requested any kind of way. How our requests come to God matter. And we ended kind of with that, dealing with that. And we talked about how we just, uh, you know, there's just, I don't know what it is, but we've, we've become so, so rude um, when it comes to dealing with God and talking to God in our um, prayer and we um, to where we many times we start to when we're not careful, we really kind of enter a mode of really just being very demanding of God, not being mindful of the fact that, hey, wait a minute. It's God that I'm talking to. It's the creator of heaven and earth. It's the one, he, he's the one who, who, who took on the form of a, of a man and then sacrificed that, 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 that body on Calvary to pay for crimes or sins that he did not commit. He was, he was cleaning up my mess. He was cleaning up your mess at the end of the day. And I mean, and he did that without anybody asking him to do it. I, I don't know about you, but I didn't raise my hand and say, Lord, save me. And you didn't either. Not originally. Now we came to that point. Amen. God opened our eyes and when we were convicted of our sin and we got there, but, but along with humanity, humanity, okay. Humanity was in a fallen state, but for as much as humanity was in a fallen state, humanity wasn't up there raising his hand saying hey lord you know what i'm in a fallen state i need you to save me no no we 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 we, we yes our nature our, had fallen into sin but though our natures had fallen into sin had become corrupted sinning was still an absolute individual choice we choose to sin you don't sin because you have a fallen nature. Your fallen nature just simply enables you to, to possibly sin. That, that's what it does. It doesn't, it doesn't force you to sin. It's fallen into ruin, so to speak, or into sin. And so we have a tendency. The voice of the flesh that is fallen is extremely loud at times. And at times it's, it's, it's so loud that it is deafening and it drowns out reason, common sense and everything else. And before you know it, you find yourself like Paul, the good that I would do, I don't do, but the evil that I wouldn't do that I do. You find yourself, I find myself at times doing the very thing that I'm like, oh my goodness, 
Lord, I know better than this. I know, you've, you've shown me the right way. I know the right way. This is not of you. This is not the way I should be handling this. But even with all of that, there are times where with that knowledge, I still fall because I give in to my fallen nature. Amen. But my fallen nature, it will never be an excuse for me to sin. Why? Because though my nature is fallen, though your nature is fallen and is and sinful, the act of sinning daily and carrying out the will of the flesh, the, 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 the desires of the flesh, that is a conscious choice. Now, some of us have been sinning and doing stuff so long and that, that the choice to do the wrong thing is quite unconscious. And what do I mean by that? I mean that we sin on autopilot. Now, you can become, you can do the wrong thing so much and, and get so used to that, you can keep doing it without even thinking about it. And we don't want to get there, but we do get there. We do get there. And because we do get there and we have gotten there and some of us are there, we needed a savior. We needed Jesus. And though we were not crying out in the beginning, Lord, come and save us. But in fact, we were more accurately represented by the crowd or the mob that was saying, crucify him. They were more an accurate reflection of us than, than anything else. Yet and still, the Lord Almighty took it upon himself to rescue us, to make a way of escape for us from our sin. And we're grateful for that. And we thank God for that. But he was the one who did all of that, of his choice. It's of his choosing. So when we come to God and we now, after having partaken of the benefit and the, the blessing and the grace that come, that is salvation, the mercy that is salvation, thank the Lord for salvation. Amen. But though now we, we're able to partake of that and we're able to walk in that, we don't want to be disrespectful of that. We don't want to, yes, we've got privileges in these things, but we don't want to get reckless and get all beside ourselves and start going in directions that God, you know, that, that, that are disrespectful to God just because we think we have a right. You don't have a right to just demand stuff of God. And what you ask for does matter. Amen. Now, David, okay, looking at verse 11, Psalms 27, teach me thy way, O Lord and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies, okay? Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path, okay? Two requests, really, when we really break it down, two requests in that one verse. Teach me thy way and lead me in a plain path. Make it clear. Make it a, a path that is, that is unobstructed by all of these different things. A path where I can see where I'm supposed to go clearly. I, I, I know what's coming next, or I know where, what the next step is because the, the path is plain. Have you ever looked at a road or looked at something that's very cluttered or that has a lot of um, twists and turns and, and um, peaks and valleys? If you've ever been on a road like that, maybe you've driven on that, maybe you've done some, some uh, cross-country driving or mountain driving or, or, or hills and valley driving, whatever you want to call it, but, but you'll notice that in your traveling, not every road is straight. And I think you've probably run across that. I know that I have. Not every road is straight. Some roads have twists and turns. 
some of them you're kind of able to kind of see the twist and the entirety of the turn you can see the whole curve you can see the whole turn you can see all of that you can see the the rise and the fall sometimes you can see that but there are some roads where the 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 peaks are too steep to see on to see the other side of that of that of that peak the only way you see the other side is when you're on the is when you actually get there and you're on the decline there are some turns and some curves on some roads that are so sharp, sharp and so wide that you can't behold the entirety of the turn. You can't see what's going on down the road. Why? Because the turn is too sharp. There's too much to that turn. It's a big turn, not a little, a small one, okay? And the only way you get to see what's on the other side of that curve is to actually get there. Amen. Some roads are like that. Well, life can is like that. When we choose the different paths that are available, it's like choosing all of these different roads that are ups and downs and twisty and turning and the, all of that. But the way of God is a straight path. It's 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 a it's a plain path. And so David here says, lead me in a plain path. When he says, lead me in a plain path, amen. He literally is asking or requesting that God would lead him down the path that God chooses and not the paths that we ourselves dictate or mark up or we choose for ourselves. No, lead me in a plain path. Because the path of man, the alternative or the inverse of that, the, 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 the non-plain path, that's a path of man. That is a man-made path. That is a man-chartered path. And that path, I'm telling you, is no telling what you're going to run into on that path other than the fact that it ain't going to be good. It might feel good, might seem good at first, but I guarantee you, you keep walking down the path of man, man long enough and you're going to be mixed up, messed up and lost. This, there's a reason why the scripture teaches us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and to lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways, what? Acknowledge him and he shall do what? Direct our path. There's a reason why. And so David here is actually making use of that very of, you know, of that very privilege or that very benefit. Trusting in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. When he says, lead me in a plain path, he's, he, he is refusing to lean to his own understanding. He's refusing to travel the road, amen, that he himself can pioneer. Lead me in a plain path. When he says a plain path, amen. When he tells us to, when he says, lead me in a plain path, that word plain there really breaks, shakes out to be, if you were to break it down and define it, it really comes out to the word uprightness. And it, and, 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 it, and it has to do with really conforming, if you will, 
to the an upright moral standing. That's what he's saying. Lead me in a plain path, an upright path, the path that is honest. The path that is fair. The path that is or orderly, the path that is that is full of integrity. The path that's full of truth. That, that, that's what he's saying when he says, lead me in a plain path. Lead me down an upright path. Lead me down a true path. Lead me down an honest path. Lead me down the right path as opposed to the wrong path. He said, lead me in a plain path. When he asked, when David says, lead me in a plain path, that request acknowledges David's own weakness. If he's requesting that he would be led in a plain path, children of God, if David is requesting that he be led in a plain path, You only do that when you recognize the inherent danger of being led down a path of any other nature or of any other sort. And so he knows that if I go down any other path beside the plain one, I'm in trouble. And I hope somebody here listening that will listen to this, no matter where you are in the world, and amen that you would listen to it. I hope that you're choosing that plain path. That your desire is similar to David's desire. I don't want to just go down a path. If I go down any path, I'm subject to waste my time. But if I go down the path that God has marked out. The path that is upright. The path that is plain. The path that is true. Do you know how many things I can circumvent? How many problems I can sidestep? that you can circumvent, that you can sidestep just by staying on the king's highway. Glory to God. Lead me on down the path that's plain. Glory to God. The path that's plain to see. Because if I'm on the plane, on the path that's plain, if for some reason I should encounter a flat tire along the way, if for some reason things don't go the way that I want and I reach a point in life where I'm feeling a little blue, if I'm on a plain path, I'm on a path that's clearly visible. I'm on a path where I know what's next. 
I don't want to be on a path. I don't want to have a flat tire in life on a path and on a road that I shouldn't even be on. Something that's so twisty and turny that, that a GPS system can't even catch up with it. I don't want that. I want to be on the plain path. Where the children of God plainly travel. Because my Bible teaches me that we are our brothers and our sisters keeper. And if on this highway life should happen, and it will, and something doesn't go the way that I want it to go, I want to be clearly visible to my brother and my sister that might be stronger than me in that moment and in that area whereby they can see me. And stop by and give me a helping hand. That's the benefit of being on a plane path. The children of God travel there. They travel on that road and just that one. And if I'm tired, the saints of God can help pick me up. Because that's what God wants us to do, to pick each other up. See, when life happens, let me, let me, when life happens, and it's going to happen, things that you don't expect. Losses in many different areas. They happen. They do. But when you are traveling the plain road, the plain path, the upright, the true, the just path, the one that David's talking about, you might have to deal with the hurts of life. You're going to find yourself blue sometimes. I know I do. But friends, listen up. Here's the benefit. If it is, the Bible teaches that the trying of our faith is more precious than gold. And if life's situations, not the ones that I induce because of foolishness and sin, so we ain't talking about that. We're talking about just the normal stuff. I'm living right. I'm walking right. You're living right. You're walking right. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But then life happens. Things beyond your control, right? Bible teaches that time and chance happen to all things. It's going to be some things that just happen and you don't know about. You ain't going to understand. It doesn't mean it's haphazard. God knows all. He's not surprised, but you will be surprised. I will be surprised. He's not, but I will be. We will be. The benefit is, is that when that happens, if the trying of my faith is more precious than gold, thus, though I do not want the trials, that come up in life, yet I need them in order for me to be perfected and get to where God wants me to be. If I got to go through the hurts and the heart and the, and the pains of life, you know what I don't want on top of having to do that? 
because I already don't want to have to 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 go, to go through no trials, and you don't either. But we don't fight against them, and we don't complain. Why? Because there is a good. The trying of our faith is more precious than the goal. It works a good. It has a purpose. But if there was any other way to, to get to that state without having to go that, I would choose that. I, would, I don't want to have to deal with the suffering or whatever. But here's the thing. But there isn't. Suffering is part of it. That's part of what it means to be a child of God. You are never going to get away from suffering. On, you know what I'm saying? In every kind, you're going to suffer on some level. But if you have to suffer, wouldn't you rather just have to suffer and go through it and not also be end up losing your way? I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's what, if I got to go through the trials and the tribulations that are assigned to me, if I got to climb this mountain or this, this, this issue and go through this thing, I would rather go through that thing and still know which direction I am headed in because I encountered it on the plain path than it would be for me to go, look, for me to encounter it on some twisty, turny path of life or whatever, some shady place I'm not even supposed to be or anything else. And then all of a sudden, not a, not a, not a, in addition to having to go through the hardship, I'm now I'm lost. You don't want that. I don't want that. And it's unnecessary. You want to be on the road that God tells you to be on. You want to be on that plain path. He said, lead me in a plain path. Don't forget the word lead there. Don't lose sight of that. He asked him to lead me there, which means to guide. Very simple. Lead me in a path. That doesn't, that, that, that he's not, don't just take me there, but lead me. So not only am I traveling the plain path or Davis traveling, wants to travel that plain path where I know where I, what I'm supposed to do and what is right and what it was wrong. I know these things. But he says, but, I, but God, I want you to lead me. That in itself is a request for God to be present with him as he travels that road. Amen. Amen. Some of us want to know the way, but we want to practice the way according to our own standards and our own understanding. We don't want to be led. We're okay with God. Okay, Lord, all right, this is right. Okay, now, now all right, I think I got it from here, God. So I'll, I'll take it from here. Many of you'll be surprised how many of us, how many of us have that mindset. God, I want to know your way. And then as soon as he shows us and we, and we, or we know what is, we, 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 we get it, get the bigger picture. Then the next thing we know, we want to go do it on our own. And this is why we fail time and time again and end up having to always run right back to the altar. And always starting over. You're always starting over. I'm always starting over many times because I'm trying to make progress without God. And it doesn't work that way. 
It's one thing to know the path. It's another thing to be able to walk it. And you can't walk it on your own. You need Jesus. You need the Holy. You need his spirit. You need the spirit of God. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. I've got to have it. Why does God give us his spirit so you can walk the path? Because you can't do this on your own. But so many times we try to do that. And then we run into all kinds of weird, weird shenanigans and situations and scenarios and just stuff we don't even. Man, I'm telling you, it's like, why is your name even associated with this? Why is my name even mentioned in this conversation? I just so absolutely should not be here. You so thoroughly and completely should not be in the situation that you're in. But you are there because you're disobedient. I was there because I was disobedient. Disobedient how? I leaned to my own understanding. Tried to figure it out and do it my own way. And I'm going to tell you something. Every time you try to figure out your own stuff and you try to do God's stuff your way, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to cross swords with God and you're not going to win. He is the absolute master of the sword. You are not going to win. You're going to lose. And some of many and many of the things that we're going through is because we're losing. He showed us the right way, but then we tried to do it on our own. Then the right way became the wrong way. Because we started trying to do the right thing the wrong way. And now we messed up. How long are you and I going to settle for starting over? How long are we going to trade progress for starting over? I mean, I'm, I'm glad that there's forgiveness. That God gives us that. And I'm glad that we can start over. That's a blessing. Amen. Because we were going to need it. But let me ask you something. How long do you actually want to always start over? Don't you at some point want to make progress? In this walk with the Lord, I mean, to get stronger than what you are, to get further than what you've gone before. Don't, don't you want to do that? Do you always want to have to start over? I know that I don't. It's annoying. It's annoying when I have to start over because of my own ridiculousness. I, it is so I'm annoying myself. And if I'm annoying myself because of my own ridiculousness, I know I'm annoying God. I get doing double work and triple work. Listen, it's not fun. And you don't have to do double and triple work on everything. Some stuff, you're not, it's going to happen. But that shouldn't be your every day all the time. Some of you, God has led 
to a church where the word of God is being rightly divided. But then offense and all sorts of things came in and you came into the fray. You knew the right way and you knew this, what to do. And you, the word was very plain. But then offense and all these things come into the into in, in, into your view. And you all of a sudden. You decide, you know what, I don't need anybody. I don't need this. I don't. And so you walk away from everything and everybody. You have no intention of walking away from God. But you're just going to do it on your own terms. Not realizing that as soon as you start doing that, that's a slip, slippery slope because you start crossing into leaning to your own understanding. When the order of the day is to forgive the offenses that our brothers and sisters cause and to keep our eyes squarely centered on the Lord and to keep moving. You don't go to church for people. You go to church for God. We go to worship God. We go to glorify God. Church is about God, not about me, not about you. It's just that we get blessed. And it's his and, and it's his pleasure to bless us so much when we come before him. Whether it's coming together physically, whether it's remotely, however it is, it doesn't matter. When you when you come in the right way, you're gonna get blessed. But so many times we walk away with good intentions, thinking that we're going to do this, we'll follow God, we're going to all, but then all of a sudden something happens. We just start getting a little bit further and further away from God. And then that fateful day comes where we have gotten so far away from God, did not realize we were far away from God. Then a situation and a circumstance in life happens. Then all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and we realize, oh, wait a minute, something's wrong. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And now all of a sudden we go running back. Now we want to go back to the place where we started, which is the place we should have never left. And amen that we're able to do that. But now that we're there, guess what? We're starting over. Now I'm back at square one. How long do you want to do that? Isn't it better to stay and keep doing it God's way and make real progress than to doing it your own way, my own way? Amen. David said, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. David asked to be taught God's way, in addition to, to, to being led in a plain path. I know we kind of did that portion first, but, but David, but, but I want to back up just a little bit uh, and, and deal a little bit more about that whole, about David's request. He asked to be taught God's way, okay? He sought the way of God instead of seeking his own way. Let's pay attention to, to what's really happening here. 
And when we boil it down, that's what that 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 this is what's taking place before our eyes in this scripture. David asked to be taught God's way. Let me say this. God's way must be learned. You don't instinctively just know it. You got to be taught God's word. Look at Isaiah chapter 30, verses 20 and 21. This is important. This, this, this here is important. Isaiah 30, 20, 21. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the waters of affliction, I mean, you get some hard times sometimes, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore. But thine eyes shall see thy teachers and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. Glory to God. Glory to God. Look at that again. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the waters of affliction, ye shall yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore but thine eyes shall see thy teachers and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When are you going to hear it? You're going to hear it when you turn to the left, to the right hand, and when you turn to the left. Do, do you, <laughs> I hope you caught that. Here God is talking to the children of Israel and given there's a prophecy being given. The people of God would be heading into Assyrian captivity because of disobedience at around about this time in scripture. And so, and just as there were prophecies and, and things that dealt with the hardship that was coming, there were also prophecies that God gave the prophet to share with the people that would foretell of a better time, better times to come. The other side of, 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 of chastisement. Amen. And here we are in verse in Isaiah 30, 20 and 21. And he's talking to the children of Israel about their teachers. Not just any teachers, but the teachers of holiness, the teachers of the way of God, the teachers that was whose job was to instruct the people in righteousness. And he said, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. When ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. That literally means that when you, <laughs> as you are going through life or as they are going or journeying, God is saying, I'm sending you teachers. I got teachers, instructors, those that hear from him, that are going to instruct the people, and they're going to instruct them 
by piping up and sounding off as to what the correct way is when they begin to turn to the left or to the right, which is symbolic of you turning to your own understanding. God literally was telling them. You're going to hear somebody. You're going to hear the teachers. Instruct you in the way of righteousness. And they are going to pipe up. When you start to deviate. Going to the left. Or going to the right. When you start to go this way. And you start to go that way. You're going to hear that teacher from behind you. You're going to hear the voice from behind you. And it's going to tell you this is the way. Glory to God. Glory to God. You're going to hear a voice behind you. Ain't that just like God? We hear God's voice. We hear it in our ears and we, we hear it in our hearts when God begins to speak. But God is invisible, so we don't see him with the natural eye. And so when God is speaking to us through his spirit, it's literally the equivalent of hearing the voice behind you saying this is the way. And that's how God is. Why is it that way? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. You got to hear the word of God and then you've got to walk forward in the word of God. But as you walk it, you got to walk it by faith. He didn't say you was going to see the teacher in front of you. No, he didn't. He didn't, he didn't, say, you, he didn't say it was going to be in front of you. He didn't say you was going to hear it in front of you. He said you they was going to hear it behind you. And so it is our walk today with the Lord. As we walk in this life, the way we know that we're going the right way is that we've got to obey the voice of the Lord, which is behind us, which is <laughs> the wind in our sails, if you will. Speaking and declaring and showing us the right way. You don't just stand in front. Why? Because he expects you and I to walk by faith. You've got to believe God. You've got to trust what he said. This is why it's so important that you learn to hear the voice of God. Because the way we encounter and we interact with God, probably 99% of the time, is by obeying the voice of the Lord, obeying what we hear and not what we see. God interacts with you most of the time at an audible level, not a visible one. And that's by design. That is on purpose because God wants your faith. 
faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Are you walking by faith? Do you hear the voice of the Lord behind you saying this is the way? You better be careful who you're listening to. Who's standing in front of you? Well, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going I'm to say some of you, you too caught up in the man, the so-called man of God or so-called woman of God, whoever is standing in front of you. The Lord said, you're going to hear a voice behind you. And you and I had better get out of the habit of paying so much attention to who's in front of us. And we better start paying attention to who's propelling us, who's behind us. God is with us. He said, you're going to hear a voice behind you saying this is the way. God's way requires faith. God's way requires you to not lean on your own understanding. God's way requires you to trust in him with all your heart. God's way don't allow you to get an idol in front of you. It doesn't allow you to get a person in front of you. You've got to trust God. You've got to obey the word of God. Listen, every man of God ought to be teaching you how to hear the voice of God, not to hear them. It's the voice of God because when God directs and leads us. His direction and his leading, it always requires faith. That's the beauty of it. When we, that scripture in Isaiah, <laughs> there's a reason why the teachers, you would hear the voice behind you not in front of you, you'd hear it behind you. Because room had to be made for faith. You hear the word, but you got to walk it by faith. Amen. You got to walk it by faith. You got to obey it by faith. David asked to be taught God's way. And he sought the way of God instead of seeking his own way. Would that we would do the same. Because it matters what we ask for. Second Chronicles. Look at starting at chapter one, seven through 12. Second Chronicles, chapter one, seven through 12. In the night did God appear to, unto Solomon and said unto him, ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, thou hast showed great mercy unto David, my father, and has made me to reign in his stead. Look at Solomon acknowledging what God had already done. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David, my father, be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. 
Are you paying attention to what he's saying? He didn't ask to rewrite and to do away with the truths and the uprightness that his dad had taught him. He didn't do that. That's not what he did. He said, let the promises unto David, my father, be established. Solomon recognized the value of what his dad had taught him and the promises that his dad had received. And for some of you, you're too soon and too quick to let go of the uprightness that mom and dad taught you or uncle or aunt or whoever got put in your, you're too far removed. You're too soon removed to let go of the old landmarks because you don't recognize the value of what they, of what you have. When mom and dad insisted that you go to church or that you do this and you do that, you lost sight of all of that. Some of us is too quick to replace what we have with what's new. But just because things are new don't mean it's better. Don't move the old landmarks. Verse number 10, give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who can judge this thy people that is so great. Look at that request. And then look at verse 11. And God said to Solomon, because this was in thine heart and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies. Look at all that. This is all the stuff we asked for. God, get rid of this person. They're doing me wrong. God, just give me all of this. God, if you just give me a bajillion dollars and let me win the lottery and all kind of foolishness. But that's not what Solomon did. Neither yet hast asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. It was what he asked for and why he asked for, it mattered. Look at 12, wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee. So God said, yes, but watch this. And I will give thee riches. Uh oh, here come the stuff that, that Solomon didn't ask for. And I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee have the like. Now, notice what he said wealth, riches, and wealth and honor. Notice he didn't add in the life of your enemies, and he didn't add in long life. He didn't add none of that stuff in there. He did not add any of that stuff in there. But overall, the point here is, is that, because we can do a whole deep dive into that, just that, that'll take us on a whole nother trail, and we'll leave that part for another day. But the point here is, is that Solomon asked for the right thing. And he asked for it for the right reasons. And when he asked for it, the right thing for the right reasons, 
God was not only more than inclined to, to grant that petition, but he was willing to go above and beyond because the heart and the motive was right. It matters what you ask for. I don't care what nobody says. It matters from start to finish. It is not just what you ask him for, but it is why you ask him for it. All of that matters. And it all gets the fact is factored in to what God gives and does not give to you according to your petitions. Amen. James begins with a breakdown of the origin of mankind's uh, fighting and warring with one another. Okay. But then he quickly shifts into the reasons for why we at times seem to go without when we ask for things. Look at James chapter four, verses two and three. Watch this. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye, ye fight and war, yet ye have not. Because ye ask not. Verse number three. Ye ask, and some of you asking. This is what he's saying. So some of you like, you know, you're trying to get it killed and right. You're trying to get everything the wrong way. Instead of, instead of the right way, which is what? To ask. You want to get it through all these other conniving and ridiculous and evil and demented ways. You want to kill and you, you all this kind of stuff. You're less than after these things. But then verse three says, you ask. And he said, some of you even ask. So some of you ain't getting it because you're trying to get it through conniving and wrong means, but some of you are actually asking. But let me tell you why you're not getting it. That's what verse three is really getting into. You ask and receive not what? Because you ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Uh-oh, they go to lust again. It matters. It matters. The word amiss literally means badly or wrong. He, so he literally said, you don't get, you ain't get nothing because you ask wrong. You ask the wrong way. You ask badly. You ask out of the wrong motive, out of the wrong heart. You're asking the wrong way. And that is the reason why you're not seeing any traction on your prayers, on the answering of your prayers. See, some people, some, it is true that sometimes when God doesn't say yes, that he's actually telling you not yet, meaning the thing will come at a later time. But for some folks, you can understand. Sometimes God is just straight up telling you no. And because why? You're asking amiss. You're praying wrong. You're asking wrong. You're asking for the wrong things. These things are rooted in your own personal ambition and, and desire and all these different things. And it got nothing to do with the right thing, the right one. You're just doing your own thing. And God is saying no. Among the many ways available. But let me say it with this, like this. There are many ways in this world. We've said that. And one is free to choose their own way or their own path. But you got to keep in mind, God is always aware of the path or the way that you choose. And you see that in Psalms 1 and 6. 
for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And you see it again in Psalms 139, verse three, thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with what all my ways. God knows what you choose. Now, among the many ways available, there stands one way that's different from all the rest. And it's different because it is the only way out of all other ways and paths that you can choose to live. It is the only, out of all other ways and paths, it is the only way out of all the others that will yield the result of life or eternal life as opposed to death or eternal death. Only one way leads to life. This only way or this one way is known as the Lord's way or God's way. Some people call it that and others will even call it the way of life. That, that one way is known by those titles. You got to understand something. God only has one way. That's why you got to be careful with who you're listening to and who you're following. Because people come up with different ways. But if you want to live eternally, if you want life, there is only one way. Now, listen, John, the baptizer, his job was to prepare that way. We read that in Isaiah 40 and 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, that's talking about John the Baptist, John the baptizer, or some would call him John the Baptist, okay, because he baptized, all right? But John the Baptist is not, Baptist is not his last name. Amen. Okay. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert, what? A highway for our God. John's job was to prepare us. Amen. For Jesus. Okay. And. In just a moment, you're going to see that, in essence, he was really preparing us for the way. He was preparing the way for the Lord by announcing and heralding the coming of the Lord. But that also had the, at, had the effect of preparing us as well to become acquainted with the way. And you, that'll make sense in just a moment. Amen. In the Old Testament, the way of God was known by God's character titles. Okay. In particular, the way of holiness. Okay. Isaiah 35 and 8. And a highway shall be there. And a way. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. But it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, though fools shall not err therein. Notice the A portion. And an highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called what? The way of holiness. Amen. Amen. Remember John, Isaiah 40 and 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye what? The way of the Lord and make straight in the desert, what? A highway for our God. 
Then you look at Isaiah 35 and 8 back over there. And, and highway, back at that highway, shall be there. And a way, that's the way again, right? And it shall be called what? The way of holiness. Holy is a characteristic of God. Amen. Amen. God's nature is spirit. But his character is holy. That's why we have Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit referring to God. Holy is his character. Spirit is his nature. Amen. God is not a man. God is what? A spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're going to wrap this. We're wrapping this up. We're wrapping this up. So in the Old Testament, the way of God was known by God's character title, that of holiness or holy. So the way of God in the Old Testament was referred to as the way of holiness. Now, in the New Testament, the way of God is not referred to by his character title. Amen. It, didn't, it wasn't known by his character title. But in the New Testament era, the way of God is actually known by the actual name of God. Not the title of God, but the name of God. And the name of God is Jesus. How do we know this? John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way. Glory to God. Glory to God. I am the way is what he said. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said unto him, I am the way. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. He said, I am the way. The way of God in the New Testament is referred to, is identified, is called out using the name of God. In the Old Testament, it went by the character of God. But in the New Testament, it goes by or is referred to by the name of God. Jesus said, I am the way. Glory to God. Glory to God. The name of the way is Jesus. Glory to God. And because of this, honestly, we should refrain from calling. <laughs> we should refrain. I just believe that we should refrain from calling God's way anything other than what the Lord called it. Because we tend to get in trouble with all of that. Many people tend, many, we attend churches and, 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 and all, and there's so many different denominations and, and, and every, I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. God only have one church, but we have all of these different way, all of this different stuff. We somewhere, and we subject to always be calling ourselves. And we refer to this walk with the Lord. We refer to it as we, we refer to it by all of these different titles. Sometimes we, we call and, and many times we refer to it after our own. We, we refer to it after our own denomination. So we'll call it Baptist. We'll call it Pentecostal. We'll call it Kojic. We'll call it this. We'll call it apostolic. We'll call it this and all of these different things. But there's a problem with all of that. None of that's in the Bible. None of that. But the Bible is very plain. I just gave you two scriptures of what the way, if you want to know what to call God's way. We're so quick to claim man-made titles. 
I'm a this and I'm a that and I'm a this and I'm a all of this and I'm all of that. Uh uh. No, no, no. God only got one church and only got one way. And there are titles that the, that are used to cover or to refer to the way of God. You can't get to God the Pentecostal way or the Baptist way or the or the Kojic way or the or or the full gospel way or the or the Church of God in Christ way or the Lutheran way or or the Seventh Day Adventist way and all you can't or the Catholic Catholic way. You can't get to God like that. You got to get to him through his way. This is just this is just nonsense that we've come up with. Nonsense. God ain't told nobody to be, and you plug in whatever your denomination is, God ain't told you to be none of that. He said, be holy, for he is holy. We even go as far as calling God's way Christianity. Did you know Christianity ain't even in the Bible? Christian is in there, but Christianity is not there. The way of God is not called Christianity. That's what the world calls it. The world who, hello, don't understand at all. They call it Christianity. God calls it holy. God calls his way Jesus. He calls it by his name. Thus, you are called, I am called to what? Be disciples of Jesus. This is important. Why? Because we have not always known the way. In the book of the Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 5, verses 7 through 9, the word of God says this, we wearied ourselves in the way of wickedness and destruction. Yea, we have gone through deserts where there lay no way. But as for the way of the Lord, we have not known it. Amen. What hath pride profited us? Or what good hath Riches with our vaunting brought us. All those things are passed away like a shadow and as a pot that hasteth by or post that hasteth by. We haven't always known the way. And because we have not always known the way, brothers and sisters, we are prone to making mis to, to mistaking our way for God's way. Look at Proverbs 14 and 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the what? Ways of death. Stay out of that. Calling and referring to and calling yourself adhering to all of these man-made ways. Go back to the Bible. Go back to what he said and don't add anything to it. 
and let us not even think about taking anything away from Get it right back to the way he had it. His way is holy. And if you're going to follow his way, you got to follow Jesus. You can't follow the Baptist. You can't follow the Pentecostal. You can't follow none of that. You got to follow Jesus. Because as a Baptist, as a Pentecostal, as a Seventh-day Adventist, or whatever denomination, I can be wrong. But my goodness, if I keep it the way God got it, if I go back to what the Bible says and leave it right there, I won't have to worry about all of that. Glory to God. I know that's that's just some tough teaching for somebody who will hear, but you need to hear it. God's way ain't called what you call him. This is what it is. God's way is holy. He didn't tell you to be apostolic. He didn't tell you to go be Baptist. He didn't tell you to go be Catholic. He didn't tell you to go be all that. He told you to be like him. He wanted you to be so much like him that my goodness, he even called his way after his name, Jesus. We follow the way of Jesus. We walk the path of Jesus. Some say, well, what do you know, bro? I don't think it matter. I think mean, God knows all the kind of stuff. Listen, you go do what you do. You go do what you do. Because I'm utterly and absolutely convinced that there is a blessing that comes along with doing what the Bible says the way God said it. When you don't add anything to it and you don't take anything away, but you say, I'm going to do it the way God told me to do it, and I'm going to stay right there. And I want to encourage everybody, get out of what the man's, man is talking about and get into what God said. Get in what God said. Get into what God said, because there's a blessing. If you say you blessed doing all that stuff, I'm telling you, you haven't known the blessing that is waiting. If you will do what the word says, the way God said it, and move away from your own understanding. The way of God provides safety. Psalm 77, verses 9 through 17. The way of God is a way of righteousness. Psalms 1 and 6. And there's nothing, and I do mean nothing, like the way of God. Isaiah said, and we'll end with this, 30 and 21, verses 30 chapter and verse 21. I said it before and I'm going to say it again. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying this is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left, walk in his way, not man's way. Walk in his way. God bless your family.
Till next time, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to stop the recording here. Wow.